What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Oh, my God. This is Joey Styles, and you're listening to the two-man power trip podcast. This is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. This is Cody Rhodes, the prince of pro wrestling, and you are listening to two-man power trip. This is Jimmy Vine, the boogie Wooker man. Tell my people and my brothers and sisters, don't you dare miss John and Chad. Hey, everybody out there. This is the franchise Shane Douglas. Remember me? <laughs> well, guys, it's great to be on the show again. I appreciate you asking me back. So you said you were going to pinch yourself. I didn't know it was that kind of show now. I mean, if you guys are in the privacy of your own home, if you want to do these things. Good. How you doing, Chad? Hey, Johnny. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? Okay. Hey, man. What's up, guys? This is Homicide. Oh, that's my homie. Homicide with a big homie club. Yeah, that would be it. Hey, this is David Penzer, and this is the two-man power trip of wrestling. Well, thank you, thank you. Hear me, fear me. I don't do many wrestling shows anymore, probably because I'm a bit ignorant. You guys probably know ten times more than I do. Look, Mean Gene, I can't be beat. I'm the greatest of all time. And I would say that. And every kid, I, they knew they could kick the out of me. Great talking to you guys. It's been your pleasure. <laughs> They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling, and now they bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling. for two years and then you told me that I had to start from the bottom and climb my way up to the top a briscoe on the bottom and then you want to throw me in a gut check match <laughs> did you forget something Hogan who gave you your first pair of wrestling boots let me refresh your memory. A Hall of Famer, my father. And this is the respect you want to show me? Well, with the aces and eights on my back, that's the ticket to climb to the top of that ladder. Oh, my brother, testify. <laughs> I love it, baby. <laughs> Great point there by Devon. We saw Garrett and Wes join last week. Just how deep does this thing run, Taz? I can't share that publicly now, can I? <laughs> this is the two-man power trip of wrestling brought to you today and powered by the Mid-Atlantic Wrestle Expo on Friday, May 19th and Saturday, May 20th in Richmond, Virginia. The Mid-Atlantic Wrestle Expo, a two-day event to honor the tradition and history of the Crockett Promotions and the Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling will converge in Richmond, Virginia for an amazing 48 hours worth of professional wrestling goodness courtesy of our friends at the Mid-Atlantic Wrestle Expo. And you can find out more information on Facebook by typing in Mid-Atlantic Wrestle Expo as well as the website www.wrestleexporva.com. And so much more about this event to come in the next few weeks, because not only will we be there on Friday night hosting a Q&A dinner, but we will also be there on Saturday with a former guest of ours, the man they call Big Van Vader. But there's going to be so much more news coming out about that amazing event in the next couple of weeks. And today, we want to focus... On our guest, and if you didn't know by now, my name is Chad, and as always, I'm joined by my tag team partner, the one and only John Paz. And John, that guest is 
a member of the illustrious Briscoe Wrestling Family. He is the nephew of former NWA champion Jack Briscoe, and he is the son of former NWA tag team champion and the brother of Jack Briscoe. You may remember him as a stooge during the Attitude Era to Mr. McMahon, or as he would say, Mr. McMahon. He's the son of Gerald Briscoe as Wes Briscoe joins the two-man power trip of wrestling. And what an awesome interview this was because Wes Briscoe has gone on to really create quite the little career for himself in professional wrestling. Obviously spent a lot of time down in WWE developmental wrestling, pretty much every name that's on the main WWE roster right now. But it's his time in TNA wrestling as a member of the Aces and Aids faction that I think a lot of people are really going to remember Wes Briscoe from because how can you forget that really out of this world long blonde hair that he had that separated him from the rest of that group, especially at a time where they covered their faces with their half facial masks and the blonde hair of Wes Briscoe stood out because basically everybody had on the skull caps and uh, either had a bald head or very short hair. And he was the only guy who had the long blonde hair sticking out. So it was kind of funny to know that when you found out it was him underneath there, it was like, okay, that is definitely something that's going to help him stand out. But it was when all of the unmaskings of the Aces and Eights guys started that Wes Briscoe's kind of meant the most. And I mentioned in the interview that his was an unmasking, and I referenced the turn of Garrett Bischoff while the turn of Wes Briscoe was going on because Wes Briscoe was actually in the ring when Garrett revealed his mask. So if you get to hear that, that's a little confusing, but still was something that I wanted to kind of correct. But the Aces and Eights storyline borrowing so loosely from the show Sons of Anarchy and the fact that they were really ahead of the curve in doing so because obviously Lucha Underground does that very, very loosely as well by taking elements of episodic television. But Aces and Eights now looking back, uh, how do you like it? Do you view it in a more positive light because it started off so hot and kind of died a slow death because they didn't get behind it as strong as they did at first and they kind of either let it go on too long, depending on what argument you take, either that it was on too long or it was cut off before it really got started. It's kind of up for debate, debate but I really did like the Aces and Eight storyline. John, I know you like the Aces and Eight storyline, but kind of before we get into that whole argument, tell us a little bit more about the interview with Wes Briscoe. Go into that legacy of the Briscoe wrestling family. And obviously, when you have a guest like Wes Briscoe, when you can talk about that family lineage, it's always a plus because there's endless material there, especially when you got the name Briscoe. That always means quite the symbol of excellence in professional wrestling. Yes, Chad, I couldn't have said it better myself. What a fun interview this one turned out to be with Wes Briscoe. Obviously, we get into him being the son of WWE Hall of Famer, Gerald Briscoe, and of you know, of course, when you start talking about sons of legends and sons of guys that were, you know, pretty big time in the business, or let's just say in the business at all, and you're the son of a wrestler, it's always intriguing, and you always get some amazing stories, whether they be, you know, stories of their childhood or even stories of their adulthood where, you know, they're kind of getting the advice from their fathers on you know the way to handle business or the way to do this or the way to that or even you know as far as working and it was interesting with this one because you know with Wes and, and Gerald he definitely gave him some good advice but it wasn't you know like oh you have to be a wrestler or even the other side of the spectrum where I don't want you to be a wrestler it's kind of like um, once he became a wrestler he got a lot of knowledge and he got a lot of advice from his father whether it be good advice or bad advice we get into that in the interview but I'm always intrigued by these guys that are sons of the legends because they have so much to live up to. And obviously Wes Briscoe is a supreme athlete as far as wakeboarding. And we get into that just a little bit. But if you look up his background online or you find out more about him online, you'll see that he's quite a skilled and, you know, heralded wakeboarder. So completely different sport, completely different aspect than pro wrestling. But when you're kind of have that passion and then also have the passion of the wrestling business because it's in your blood and it's in your family, that's always interesting. And that always intrigues me because it could be a lot of pressure, you know, living up to a Hall of Famer or living up to, 
the aspirations or, or, or all that kind of stuff, or maybe even your own hype and your own nervousness about living up to a Hall of Famer like Gerald Briscoe, or even like his uncle, Jack Briscoe. So, I mean, it, it's got to be in a tough situation, and we do talk about it in the interview, which is actually really fun to kind of get into that Briscoe brothers, you know, lineage and get into the Briscoe's past. But with Wes, it's so cool to get into kind of what he really did and what he accomplished in the business and continues to accomplish in the business. Obviously, you're going to remember him in the Aces and Eights the most, and you're going to remember his TNA run the most. He had a huge victory over Kurt Angle, and obviously he had a big-time feud with Kurt Angle in TNA. And we talk about his relationship with Kurt, his chemistry with Kurt, kind of behind the scenes of what he thinks of Kurt Angle and, and their relationship and what it's like. So really good stuff there. I love getting into the Aces and Eights. Obviously, we've had a few Aces and Eights members on the show now. Garrett Bischoff is the first one that comes to mind. And I kind of got um, you know a little excited when we were talking about it because it was one of those things where it's so crazy and, and so talked about and it's almost polarizing with the way the aces and eights really was people loved it or people hated it there's really no in between and it's interesting and intriguing to kind of find out what Wes briscoe had to say about it because obviously he's another aces and eights member or former aces and eights member obviously you know we talked to ken anderson about it and ken anderson loved it and he had a lot of positive things to say about it so you're going to be very interested to find out what Wes thought about the Aces and Eights, what he thinks about the Aces and Eights, kind of what he thought should have went longer, what he thought should have went shorter. So I, I just love that part of the interview because Aces and Eights, like I said, it's polarizing, but you kind of never know what you're going to get as far as an answer. Like we thought Ken Anderson was going to rip it and say he hated it and blah, blah, blah. And then even Garrett Bischoff, we thought might have something negative to say about it. But they kind of really, you know, didn't have too much negative to say. And they thought it had legs and they thought it could have went a little further. And they thought that, you know, it's a lot different than anything else that's been done in the business before. So, you know, listen up to that. Really, really, um, you're going to love that kind of stuff. And you're really going to love his time in FCW as well. Because he was a WWE prospect for many years. And you're going to learn all about Florida Championship Wrestling. And all about those current WWE stars that were down in FCW at the time he was down in FCW. So, you know, sit back, relax, take a nice drink, enjoy this one. This one was a lot of fun. Wes Briscoe is such a, you know, nice guy with such a great attitude. And he was so easy to talk to. So, you know, relax. And uh, Chad, take it away, bud. Yeah, and definitely so nice to be joined by Wes Briscoe. And including... The nice comments he had for us saying that he had wanted to be on the show for quite a while. That was a very cool little touch to the end of the show because definitely the Briscoe name goes a long way in professional wrestling. And Wes Briscoe has so much more to add to that legacy of the Briscoe wrestling family. So again, thank you to Wes Briscoe for coming on and being part of the two-man power trip of wrestling. And obviously it was such a big week for John and myself, we had a lot of things coming out of the Big Van Vader episode, including a nice piece done by CBS Sports and our good friend Denny Burkholder on the Big Van Vader interview. So if you haven't had a chance to check out Vader, get in the archive and check out the Vader episode. Obviously, so far in 2017, it's been quite the year in terms of the guests, and I always say you never know who's going to be on the other side of the line and obviously, there's so much more to come, including a little bit more about the Aces and Eights down the road. Maybe we can figure out a few of the holes in terms of who exactly was going to be the Aces and Eights leader. And that's something that I think we can explore in just a little while. So stay tuned and stay tuned for a lot of cool things going on, obviously. There's so many things that are going to happen in the next coming months, whether it's a couple of our appearances that John will tell you about in the two-man power trip of wrestling business. But the one we're talking about again today is the Mid-Atlantic Wrestling Expo on May 19th and May 20th in Richmond, Virginia, where there's going to be so many legends of the Mid-Atlantic wrestling era as well as a ton of WWE Hall of Famers, as well as some independent wrestling superstars that'll be converging on Richmond, Virginia for a Q&A dinner on Friday night and then a giant convention the following day in Richmond, Virginia at the Greater Richmond Convention Center. Head on over to Facebook.com and check out the Mid-Atlantic Wrestling Expo 
and find out all the information about that Friday night Q&A dinner hosted by John and myself as we welcome Demolition, the one-man gang, the Hebners, the voice of Mid-Atlantic Wrestling, Rich Landrum, and our old friend Dell the Patriot Wilkes. It's going to be quite the night, and John and I are looking so forward to not only being around some of those guys, but also getting to kind of interact with the fans for once and get out there and see what is going on in Southern Virginia and to meet a ton of great wrestling fans that entire weekend. So, John, as we wrap it up here, why don't you hit them with a little bit of two-man power trip of wrestling business, and we will get it on over to a great interview with Wes Briscoe. And now for some TMPT business. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Two Man Power Trip and at Wrestling Pal. Please visit our website, tmptofwrestling.com. That is tmptofwrestling.com. Subscribe to us on YouTube. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes. While you're on iTunes, check out the feed for some legendary episodes featuring the living legend himself, Bruno San Martino, the late great American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. Ray Mysterio Jr., Jerry McDivitt, Brutus the Barber Beefcake, Mr. Wonderful Paul Ondorf, AJ Styles, and so many others. Also, while you're surfing the web, check out WrestlingInc.com. Yes, that is WrestlingInc.com. They are the number one wrestling news source out there, so please check them out. Also, while on the internet, go to ProWrestlingTees.com. Yes, ProWrestlingTees.com is your superstore. If you are a super fan, and you can please check out our page while you're there, you can check out Tito Santana, Paul Orndorff, Coco Beware, Magnum TA, Buff Bagwell, and so, so many others. Follow along with the two-man power trip of wrestling in 2017 as we hit the road and we come to a town near you. April 22nd, we hit Philadelphia, Pennsylvania at the Icon Collectors Fest. Then, May 19th and May 20th, we hit the Mid-Atlantic Wrestling Expo in Richmond, Virginia. Then, follow us to New Jersey as we hit Legends of the Ring in Monroe. So please follow along with the two-man power trip of wrestling in 2017, because you never know where we may land. And now, without any further ado, a former FCW Tag Team Champion, a former TNA Gut Check winner, a former member of the faction The Aces and Eights, he is the nephew of the legendary NWA Champion Jack Briscoe, and the son of Gerald Briscoe, he is Wes Briscoe. Please enjoy. Cool to have you on for a couple reasons. I gotta say, one, we uh, 
we're definitely, you know, we're, we're fans of what you've done. We're, uh, we're big uh, Aces and Eights fans, and you uh, think about We had an interview with uh, Garrett Bischoff where we covered that in depth, so we're ready to tackle that. But also the respect we've got for your family and for your father, and, uh, you know, you're a great addition to the wrestling business, my friend. <laughs> oh, well, thank you, guys, man. I'm trying, man. Those are uh, really uh, big boots to fill, as you would say. But, um, you know, I'm learning and busting my ass and trying to trying to always improve so I can always put on a better uh, show. Absolutely. And uh, it's uh, it's really cool to see, you know, what you got going on now. And uh, one of the things that I thought was really sweet was uh, seeing you head up to Canada and working with our buddy, Devin Nicholson, a.k.a. Hannibal, and uh, the Aces and Eights Quebec chapter, which I thought was, uh, I get a chuckle out of that. I thought that was really cool. But what do you think about heading up there to uh, Great North Wrestling and seeing that the Aces and Eights is alive and well, but with a Canadian flavor? Yes, you know, those boys out there, they're doing a good job with it. And then, of course, Hannibal... What a great opponent. I mean, we have a rematch coming up because uh, technically I won that title, and I don't know how dirty he likes to play, but uh, I'm coming back up there and uh, looking forward to coming back up to uh, Quebec and seeing all the boys up in Canada. But, yeah, the uh, Quebec Aces and Aids, man, they're, uh, you know, they're, they're doing their thing. You know, they, they need, still need a little help, but, you know, I'm there to guide them and kind of show them the ropes. <laughs> And we remember when you were the guy getting shown the ropes, and that's when, you know, the Aces and Eights storyline was developing. It was a really cool uh, slow burn. And like I said, we were talking to Garrett, and we were talking about how the whole progression was. Some people think it came and went pretty fast. Some people think it was, uh, you know, a little drawn out. I kind of tend to be in the middle. I loved it uh, at the beginning, and towards the end, I felt like it kind of lost a little steam. But... I love the fact that Hannibal and the boys up there do keep the uh, the Quebec chapter alive. That is pretty cool a couple of years later. But let's dig into that if we can. You know, what are your thoughts looking back at Aces and Eights and how it came about? And, of course, your reveal was one of the uh, one of the better ones uh, of the, uh, the, quote, you know, unmaskings of the Aces and Eights. To be honest with you, it was a blast. I mean, the whole, the whole concept, when they pitched it to me, I was blown away because at that time – there was no more factions and we're, we're going to be, you know, kind of the new faction and just the storylines that they were doing and the amount of time that all the writers were spending with the product was just phenomenal. I mean, <clears throat> they really put everything to it and it showed the beginning. I mean, all of our merch was number one selling merch. We were, we were hot. Everyone talked about us because it was something different. It was something new, you know, it, Brought a little bit more attitude back to the, oh, they're so used to PG, PG. We kind of, you know, roughed around the edges a little bit. But then, like you said, it did get kind of drawn out. You know, a lot of people, once it started getting hot, a lot of people started wanting to jump on the bad wagon, you know what I mean? So yeah. that kind of, that I think, slowed it down and killed it. But I thought we could have went a lot more and done, like, you know, split this up where, you know, I'm babyface, we got half babyfaces, half heels, and then we go against them. And You know, they, there could have been tons of storylines, and they were building everyone really well. I mean, when we went to places, it was getting over. Oh, without a doubt. And like I said, some of those slow burn turns, you know, the masks uh, being such a key for such a long time. And obviously, it was one, there was one guy in particular who had some uh, pretty distinctive long hair, and we'll get to uh, to that unmasking in a bit, but I think the cool thing about it was it almost had an NWO flavor to it, which uh, was ironic with the Bischoff involvement, but it had that NWO flavor to it is when you gave the guy the cut and you gave him the vest, you know, it kind of added a new dimension to them, but, you know, your turn and uh, the reveal, you know, the turn on Kurt Angle, which I know John's going to get into yeah. the Kurt Angle connection, but... That had to have been such a cool moment for you because, man, oh, man, did that place go nuts when that mask came off. Yeah, well, i got to say one thing about that uh, NWA, Phil. I mean, it felt so awesome because if you look at the footage of the uh, Chicago when uh, Bully Ray turned, we literally had so much trash getting thrown into the ring. When's the last time you've seen people throw trash into the ring? I mean, full just tossing their beers, whatever they could, 
throw at us. I mean, that's when you know you got heat, especially in this day and era. That doesn't happen anymore. Oh, no, no way. And the NWO was, you know, that was like the heyday of uh, of trash getting thrown and people, you know, hitting the ring and getting their asses handed to them by uh, by Hall and Nash. I mean, that was really something that, you know, it took a lot to get people to come out of their seats, and that night in particular was nuts, and Bully Ray being the reveal. Now, was Bully Ray always going to be the reveal? Because for the longest time, we didn't see who the uh, the guy behind the voice box or behind the mask was, but was it always slated to be Bully Ray? No. Uh-uh. Interesting. Who, so, who, so who may we have seen as the leader of Aces and Eights? To be honest with you, I don't know, but I all I know is he wasn't supposed to be wasn't supposed to be. Did you feel as if Bully Ray was the right pick to be the leader? Um, I think there could have been he was he did good, and I but I think there could have been some other uh people that would have done just as good. Definitely uh, definitely some interesting choices to choose from. And, like, you look at the group, there were some eclectic members. But I think that you and Garrett Bischoff definitely stood out because you two were, like, the young guns joining the group. And, you know, your connection to Kurt Angle was so strong uh, with the build and him really uh, taking you guys underneath his wing. But talk about your uh, relationship with Garrett Bischoff and how you guys really were able to play off of each other so well and make it look so good on TV. Well, first of all, me and Garrett's been friends for a very long time. So we've always been brothers. So that way, when you look at it, you know, we were diehard brothers before we even started a thing. So even made us closer together. And working with Garrett was awesome. And it was crazy, us being the young guys, because all the guys that we were with have been on TV, whether it's the WWE TV, whether it's TNA, they've all been really high up there, whether they're champions, whether they're involved with main events. So for us, it was just we had to soak it up like a sponge. And it was some of the best times in the world getting to work with him and, of course, getting to travel with him and just, you know, me and him hanging out, drinking a couple of beers every once in a while. <laughs> I'm sure that was uh, I'm sure that was par for the course, though, too, with that uh, aces and eights attitude. But so many great guys and obviously so many great teachers, too. You know, you add in a guy like D'Lo, uh, who played such a vital role in TNA at the time. And, you know, you think about uh, somebody like uh, like a Doc Gallows, who really from TNA went on to do some pretty big things afterwards. But we talk about Bully Ray and the trash coming in the ring, but what's the benchmark moment for Aces and Eights? I would think probably when we first attacked Sting and no one had a clue of what was going on. And everyone was so puzzled, and they just didn't really know what to think. And that was, I think, really the because once we had once we once we did that, we were they were hooked. I mean, from there on, I mean, everything we did, they were everyone was hooked. I mean, they were they were solid. But for me, for West Fresco, I would say when wow. There's there's two big there, actually there's three big moments. Gut check when I turned on Kurt, and then when me and Kurt had the steel cage pay per view match, which to the day is one of the greatest things I've ever been able to do, and being able to get in the ring with Kurt Angle is just such a learning experience, such amazing, amazing, amazing experience. That guy is just so talented and. He knows everything. I mean, he just, when you get in the ring with him, it's just, and you got to go. I mean, you can't slack. You can't, you can't, you know, you have to give him 110% because if you don't give him 110%, he's going to eat you alive and just pin you in the middle of the ring. He don't care. I mean, he's told me that. So you really have to, when you first Kurt, you got to, you got to put it all on the line. And I was blessed to get tied to Kurt's hip. Like I wrestled him on house shows everywhere. It was mean Kurt, mean Kurt, mean Kurt. And what a learning experience. And I'm blessed, you know, to be able to say that I got to work Kurt Angle so many times. Pretty awesome, too, and a great learning experience. Like you said, did you kind of know that you'd be feuding with Kurt Angle or that you'd kind of be, like you said, be tied to his hip, or was that something that came to you as a surprise? 
they knew already, but they wanted to surprise me because they knew how much as, you know, of course I was an amateur wrestler and they knew how much me being an amateur wrestler. And I've known Kurt since I was a little kid. I mean, my dad's the one that brought Kurt into the business, you know, like he's been around the family. He's been over the house for dinner. Like I've wrestled him in high school wrestling camps where he's came in and coached the whole wrestling school. Then of course picked me as a dummy and beat me up. So, you know, like it, it was just, they wanted to keep it a surprise. And when they told me, I just lit up. I was just like, Oh my God. And I, I remember I was like, I got to work 20 times harder than the gym, 20 times harder on my cardio. I got to make sure, you know, I give them everything because when you get opportunity like that, you got to perform. And especially with Kurt, you know, not only him as a legend, as everything he accomplished in his ring, but for me always as a little kid, him being a hero before pro wrestling, I've always been a hero as him as pro wrestling, but then before that as amateur wrestling, you know, I've always looked up to him. So he, you know, it, it meant something very, very special to me. And that's got to be pretty cool. You know, the family connection, very, uh, very different, very cool. Obviously, you know, your dad was responsible for bringing him into the WBF, into pro wrestling, and then you get to wrestle him kind of a little bit of a full circle, right? Yeah. I've, I mean, to be honest with that, that's a pretty funny full circles because, uh, this uh, New Year's, I'm actually going to wrestle with Dory Spunk and Junior, which I've actually wrestled a couple times, but uh, sorry sorry to get off track, but that's kind of like full circle being able to, like, you know, get in the ring with someone that's actually wrestled my dad and my uncle has been like, holy moly, like, pretty crazy. That is pretty cool, and uh, I'll definitely get back to Dory, uh, Dory Spunk yeah, in a little bit, but I just wanted to um, kind of touch on, or stay on Kurt uh, for a second, if I could. Um, with Kurt, not only, you know, you mentioned the lockdown match and the cage match, and obviously you're going to have a big feud with him, but you end up winning the cage match. What You know, what was your kind of thought process after that? Um, After that, I kind of didn't want our feud to end. I kind of wanted to go on because uh, right after then I felt, I felt really comfortable. You know, I had that, okay, now the next pay-per-view where we go where – he gets the rematch, and, you know, like, I was I was pumped, you know. I was looking forward to it, which they uh, released, fired some people behind the scenes, and the new person that came into scene didn't want anything to do with what the old people had storylines, and everything got squashed. And I was so bummed because I was really looking forward to our next rematch because I knew that we were just going to tear it down just because I just had that you, I already knew what I could do, and then it was just going out there again and just being so confident, going, you know what, Kurt? Now I'm gonna really kick your ass. You know, like it's gonna be fun. Hmm. What would you say is kind of the you know the big thing you learned from Kurt, whether it be you know through the amateur ranks or, or the pro ranks? From the pro ranks, I would say would just be take your time, don't waste your shots. If you're gonna if you're gonna hit someone, hit them one good time. Don't hit them four or five times that look like crap. You know if you're if you're gonna hit someone, hit them one good time. You know like take your time and then two, ring ring presence. Where to be in the ring at the right time and knowing exactly, you know where to be. So that was really really a big lesson that I learned from him because he would always make sure you were in the right spot, the right timing, facing the right camera, looking up the right moment. You know, he's really good with timing, and he could put anything together. And just sitting back and just listening to him and just, you know, not saying anything, saying, yes, sir, you know, let's do this. And, you know, after Kurt Angle, it seemed like, you, like you said, it should have been a rematch or there should have been more matches to kind of, you know, top off that few. But it feels like then after that, you and Garrett were teaming up a lot and facing James Storm and Gunner a lot. Is that kind of the direction you were comfortable with, or, or, or you know, were you kind of thinking that you should have had a longer singles run? Well, they were bringing me and Garrett to kind of uh, win the uh, tag team titles. They wanted, uh, they wanted me and Garrett to, uh, so that's you know, because of course, you know, James Storms and them, they had the uh, titles at the time, so mm-hmm. they put me and Garrett together to, uh, you know, wrestle them and you know, win the titles. But I, for me, I love tag team wrestling. But for me, I, I wasn't done with Kurt. You know, like I wanted, I wanted that rematch. I wanted to, even if I was a tag team wrestler, I think I could have served 
been a part a little bit and had stir my feud with Kurt, you know, like maybe every time we win a tag team match, he comes up and spoils it or, you know, like just when other people have the chance to wrestle us and it's not a tag team title match, you know, he comes out and hurts one of me and then they get over on me, but they don't win the titles. But just, to, you know, it, it, we could have we could have worked something out. There could have been some kind of storyline to link back to me where I would wrestle Kurt for a big pay-per-view match, you know. But that's what, that's where I wanted it with it. Yeah, it feels like that was kind of, uh, you know, not, not that they dropped the ball, so to speak, but it was kind of let go by them, and it was weird because, you know, the, the rematch should have been there. Kurt maybe wins the blow-off, something like that, but it, there could have been more to the feud. Yes, exactly, and Kurt won in it, too. Like, Kurt... Kurt was so happy after the match, and he came up to me, and he goes, oh, man, wait till the next time we work, you know. He goes, it's going to be even. So I'm I'm sitting here just like, okay, like, or it's already put in my head kind of like, okay, well, guess what, you know, like, big rematch with Kurt, and, you know, like, oh, like, I can't wait, you know, like, it's on, you know, like, I can't wait to even blossom even more. But the opportunity never arises, so, you know, you can, you know, can only think of what if. True, that you know, definitely well said. And obviously, you and Garrett would, uh, you know, team against a lot of different opponents. Chavo and Hernandez come to mind, and a lot of you know different teams. Did you kind of uh, you know embrace your tag team role, and, and how come you guys didn't end up winning those tag titles? Um, that's because right right when they, we were supposed to, that's when everyone got you know all the people that were behind Aces Nates got released and. New people came into the picture, and any any old storylines or anything to do with that, they just kind of say, "See ya." That's why. That's why it ended so abruptly. That's why it was like done. Everyone was like, "Huh? What just happened?" A lot of people came up to me and they're like, "We watched one week, and then next week we watch, and it's just done." I'm like, "Yeah, well, kind of what happens." Yep. I guess, you know, uh, that's uh, that's the wrestling business for you, I guess, you know, or as they say. So, you know, when you're removed from Aces and Aids and then you eventually, you know, then you eventually the TNA release, were you surprised to be released from TNA at that point? Uh, to be honest with you, it was more of a mutual thing. Uh, we were both going back and forth on things, and uh, I just told him I was happy with my time there, and it was uh, time to move on. Um. I had some other opportunities come up, and they weren't really uh, keen with me going to New Japan and a couple other things. So I was just like, you know what? You guys can't guarantee me any dates, and you just want to say, hey, well, we'll just pay you every time you do a match. But you have to be, you know, considerably all of TNA. I was like, I'm sorry. Just, no, thank you for the time here. I just think I can, uh, you know, do some other things that I'm really looking forward to doing. And obviously, you know, going to New Japan, which is a huge deal, representing the NWA, you know, another full circle thing for you. Was that really cool, being able to go to Japan and wrestle uh, for the NWA world title against uh, Satoshi Kojima? Oh, I had such a blast. And what an honor it was to get in the ring with him. I mean, just absolutely a blast. And um, I, I enjoy Japan so much. It's such a beautiful country. And I love the food and the atmosphere, and you know the women are not too bad, not too bad. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I love Japan, and uh, I always look forward to going there. And what do you think about uh, Kojima? Because obviously, huge legend in Japan, former multiple-time uh, world champion in all Japan and New Japan, everywhere he goes, you know, former world champ. So, what, what were your thoughts of being able to wrestle him for the NWA World Title? Man, it was awesome. I remember just watching tapes and watching tapes and studying, studying. And then when I finally met the guy, he was just, what a class act. He was totally what you think of, a true champion and and just a wonderful person to be around. And uh, I had a blast working with him, and we had a really good match, and I was really happy with it. Pretty cool. Like, you know, we were talking about the full circle thing and stuff, and you're representing the NWA, going for the NWA world title. Obviously, your uncle, Jack Briscoe, one of the greatest NWA champions of all time, arguably the greatest NWA champion of all time. So isn't that pretty cool or almost a little bit of a surreal moment for you to kind of, you know, fill his shoes, so to speak? 
Well, it would have been way cooler if I would have won it, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a different story. I wrestled for it actually last weekend in uh, Texas, but um, yeah, I'm still chasing that belt down. Now, that's one title that uh, you know I'm not going to sleep until it's kind of around my waist because it needs to be back in the Briscoes, uh, around the Briscoes' waist. I think that's not a bad idea, and obviously, you know with Rob Conway, you uh, ended up going into the tag titles against uh, Kojima and Tenzan as well, and, you know, Davey Boy Jr. and Lance Archer were involved in the match as well, but was it kind of cool to go after the NWA tag titles as well? Well, it would have been cool if we would have won it. True. (laughs) (laughs) But it was awesome. I mean, to get in the ring with all those guys, we had a hell of a match. That was probably one of the best matches I've ever been in, and a lot of people don't know this. Um, at the time, I separated my ankle in two different places. So I, I shouldn't have been walking, but I went out there and started my match. And, uh, yeah, I had a separated ankle, the top of it, and then the top of the ankle uh, fracture going all the way up. But um, it was one of the best matches ever. I had a blast, and it was just – it was crazy and really, really good time, and I can't wait to go back out there. What is your uh, current standing with the NWA? Like you said, you were out there in Texas. Are you still working a lot for the NWA? I, to be honest with you, I work I work wherever I get booked. You know, I'll, I'll face any opponent. You know, it doesn't matter. Um, but uh, I'm trying to. I would like to go for that NWA heavyweight title, and you know, I really would like to see it around my waist. And then too, me and Jesse would love to go for those tag team titles. I mean. Me and Jesse Swanson have been tagging up, and we've been uh, winning titles everywhere we were booked, and that would be a nice title to have around me and Jesse's waist. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, obviously Jesse Swanson, uh, Paragon Pro Wrestling, immediately sticks out. You guys tag champs there. You were the world champ there. So what's your relationship like with Jesse? You guys seem like you guys have some pretty good chemistry, and obviously he's a former TNA guy as well. Oh, man, Jesse is my road dog. Jesse is one of those dudes you can count on no matter what. I mean, you could be broken down on the side of the road three in the morning, call Jesse up, and he'll come get you. Me and him are best friends. We get along. We're kind of a little bit two different people, but yet we're the, so me and him mesh really well, and that's why, you know, our tag right now, we've been wrestling all over the place from Wrestle Circus, from Paragon, to everywhere in Florida, just everywhere there, you know, me and Jesse have been tagging and we just, we've been getting over and it's been awesome. And especially getting to work with him where our chemistry is kind of like my dad, my dad and my uncles, you know, we can just look at each other and we already know what we're thinking. He already knows what I'm thinking. I already know what he's thinking. So we just mesh really, really well. And that is great to hear. And I love, uh, you know, you're talking about, you know, the good old days with uh, your dad and your uncle, obviously, one of the greatest tag teams of all time, and just legendary, legendary tag team and legendary names in the wrestling business. So what was it like just basically, you know, living under your dad and watching your uncle? Is that just a a real huge learning experience for you? I mean, it was a huge learning experience for me. And, of course, you know, like, they they were tough on me. They were never easy on me. They were never... They never gave me anything. They've always made sure I busted my ass. And then, too, like, when I was in uh, developmental, my dad never came around until I, he felt like I, I had it because he never wanted to understep any of the coaches because we had such great coaches at developmental that, you know, he always wanted to make sure I had it before, you know, he came in and showed me the ropes, he would say. Now, was he one of those dads that wanted you to follow his footsteps, or was he one of the dads that didn't want you to follow his footsteps into the pro wrestling business? My dad would always back me no matter whatever I wanted to do. And that's one thing I I love about my dad is that he always backs me 100%. And when I said I wanted to do this, he said, you know, it's not going to be easy, but... I'll, I'll show you the roast, but you got to give it everything you got. You just can't, you can't half-ass it. You got to give it one hundred and ten percent. 
And did he do a, a lot of your training, or was that um, kind of, an, or was that maybe Steve Kern, or is that some other wrestlers, or did your dad basically teach you the basics? Um, it was my dad at first, and then once I got signed, he kind of sat back and let Norman Smiley, um, Steve Kern, the American Dream, Dusty Road, kind of let them mold me and shape me. And then once he, you know, felt like, okay, you know, I've learned a lot from then, then he kind of stepped in and said, hey, you know, I'm going to show you some things. And first time I got in the ring with my dad, he broke my nose. And I looked at him and said, what? I go, can I clean this blood up? And he goes, nope, we're going 45 minutes. And I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> was he teaching me a lesson or was he just being stiff just to kind of say, hey, you know, this, this, this is uh, hard? Was, uh, all the coaches were around the ring and I got in the ring kind of joking and laughing and was like, oh, I get to wrestle my dad kind of just like, kind of just goofing around and. You know, when you step in the ring with a legend, you take it seriously no matter what. No matter if it's after practice or whenever it is, you don't you don't goof around. I learned that lesson real quick. <laughs> <laughs> real quick and we're hard. But who would ever think that, you know, your your own dad would be breaking your nose in the ring? You figured it would be somebody else. Oh, I already knew that. I mean, I've wrestled my dad my whole entire life, even as amateur wrestling. He is a dirty, dirty, dirty player. <laughs> It's funny, too, because he's, if you look back, you know, he's a legend, one of the greatest, but so many people say that uh, he's a stooge, and they remember him for from the attitude era. So it's funny, you know, looking back, because he really, you know, not so much as a stooge, he's really a hard-nosed, tough-ass uh, legend of the business. Yeah, and you can ask any of anybody, no one messed with my dad, I mean, or especially my uncle. No one messed with my uncle or my father, I mean. They're known as one of the best shooters in the business. I mean, especially my uncle. I mean, no one would ever try to say anything to my uncle because they knew better. Now, did your dad, was he the one that kind of got you signed, or was he the one that said, hey, my son's going to become a wrestler, and, you know, did he just open the door for you, or was he the one that actually got you signed? Uh, He opened the door for me, and at the time I was a professional wakeboarder, and I was touring all around the world you know, doing professional wakeboarding. I was in the X Games doing all these extreme sports. So they thought it was something different. So they thought they would give me a try. So that's how I got uh, signed. Now, who actually signed you? Is it Johnny Ace? Is it, is it Vince talking to you? Who Like, who's the guy that, you you know, you get the contract from? Uh, Vince talked to me, and then it was Johnny Ace that gave me the uh, contract. What were your thoughts on Johnny Ace? Uh, next question. <laughs> I feel like everyone always has something funny to say or something crazy to say. First time we got, you know, the next question on him. That's that's interesting. Or people try to do his his uh, his impersonation. Should they do his voice? No, I'm not very good at impersonations, so I won't even go there. Now, you know, FCW, I mean, you, they end up sending you down there. What were your thoughts when they said, hey, you know, we're signing you, you're going down to FCW? I to be honest with you, I had no idea what to think. I I I was you know, so used to being, you know, professional wakeboarder, surfer, just it was a whole other atmosphere. It was crazy. It was a shock, you know, getting there and seeing all these other guys and seeing all these giants and you know, people six foot six, seven foot tall, you know, I'm like, Holy moly, I didn't even know they made guys this big. But um it was it was quite a shock, and uh, it was a great learning experience. I mean, I learned so much there, and especially getting there with Tom Pritchard, Dr. Tom. He was one of the best coaches I've ever been in, and especially he was just really, really big on all the fundamentals. and He was just an awesome coach to be with, and if you ever had a problem or you're ever dealing with anything, he was always the guy you could go talk to, and you know that you could feel safe talking with him, and I love Dr. Tom Pritchard to death. And, you know, there's like a great debate now, obviously WWE now with NXT, you know, versus FCW. Obviously, you know, it's changed quite a bit. They upgraded, you know, to like almost the pro football style facility. Have you had a chance to check out NXT at all and the performance center? Uh, no, I, I mean, I've seen it on TV, but other than that, no. 
my dad's there a lot. I know that. And, and what my dad's told me about it said it's a wonderful, awesome place. But uh, that's about it. It's definitely, uh, definitely different, and it's definitely you know a huge, huge facility with uh, you know all the uh, you know all the uh, things you'll ever need. Maybe even more so. I mean, they have a million rings. They have strength and conditioning coaches. Do you think that if you had that down in FCW, that would have been you know uh, something quite cool? You know, to have that kind of stuff at your fingertips. Um, yes, but, um, I kind of like how we had it, you know, I kind of like the dirty old warehouse, you know, the guys in there busting their ass, just a, you know, different, different scene, you know, I kind of like the down and dirty and gritty places better than the, you know, all fancy, nice stuff. (laughs) You're more old school. Yeah, I guess you would say that. Hey, it's pretty cool. You, you debut in FCW, you end up winning the Battle Royal, like, in your debut. Were you happy with that, thinking, like, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm down here already, and I'm winning my first match, and, you know, I'm already getting the push? No, I was, like, I was nowhere near ready. I was, like, what are you guys doing? I was, like, I need way more time. Um, huh. Yeah, it was it was quite a shock. It was, I mean, the first time, I remember my first singles match against uh, Bo Rotundo, which is Bo Dallas now. And we both were super new, and we looked at each other like, what's going on? And uh, I remember they were just like, well, if you guys forget what to do, just go out there and amateur wrestle. And we're looking at each other and we're like, what? Because we're both really good amateur wrestlers, but we're like, all right, I guess I guess we're running out of things to do. We'll just amateur wrestle out there. And You know, I remember tagging with, like, Keith Slater and, you know, wrestling Sheamus and wrestling the Usos and, you know, I pretty much wrestled every person that's on the main roster right now. So it was, you know, I felt like, you know, I wouldn't want to be in a better place because all the people that were in my class are main eventing, you know, TV right now. So, you know, I think, I think that place did pretty good. You know, we made, we made it work for what we got. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of the guys, like you mentioned, a lot of them are either main eventing or they're on TV or, you know, somewhere they're on raw or somewhere they're on SmackDown. And of course, you know, your former tag partner, who you won the tag titles with, Xavier Woods, obviously, is in the New Day, which is a big faction in the WWE now. And did he kind of, you know, look at that and look at him now and say, wow, it's, you know, pretty uh, pretty good. He's a, one of the longest reigning tag team champs of all time. Man, Xavier Woods has so much talent. That kid can do anything. I mean, it was about time they pulled him up. I mean, at the time they were pulling me and him up, um, we were supposed to debut the next day, but I blew my knee. And that's when we kind of, and I felt so bad for him because, you know, he was already TV ready. I mean, Xavier Woods is such a good talent. He can cut great promos. He's phenomenal in the ring. He has great psychology. He's just a well, just such a well-rounded person that, you know, he deserves to be on TV and he deserves the spot that he's in. You know, he's a one hell of a guy. He's, uh, you know, obviously uh, somebody who's close with you down there because he was, uh, you know, part of the uh, the tag champions with you. But another guy, obviously a huge main eventer, big star that you had a chance to team with and wrestle down there, that you know, kind of really, you know, raised some eyebrows to me was Bray Wyatt. What, you know, what are your thoughts on him? Did you kind of see him with this character, you know, down there at, at this point? Yes, I mean, I totally see him. I mean, he is just one of my best friends and. He was me, him, Joe Henning, and Heath Slater were pretty much our like we traveled everywhere in developmental together, and just he just those promos that he would cut in developmental was just phenomenal. I mean, just he was such a he just he has that microphone skill, and he just has that creepy, just dark, deep promos. We we knew something big was going to come out of him. Definitely. I mean, uh, he obviously went through a couple different uh, gimmick changes in, in FCW and even in WWE when he was up here or NXT, whatever you want to say, before actually getting it right with the Bray Wyatt thing. But did you kind of foresee him being this big star today? Or, or you know, you, were, you weren't sure because you never know with how they push some guys and don't push others. I knew it if they give him the right opportunity. 
if they gave him the right opportunity, he would shine just like Heath Slater, just like Johnny Curtis, Fandango. You give those guys the right opportunity, and they're just going to, you know. I mean, I'm so sad that they don't give Johnny Curtis, Fandango the right, you know. He is just such a talented person. And Heath Slater, he's another one. And then um, Joe Henning, I mean, just just talent. I mean, just oozing out of him. Joe Henning is one of the best people in the ring you'll ever step foot in with. And just, it's sad that they don't, you know, they can't find something to do with them. And then a guy like Big E as well, right? I mean, you wrestled him a lot down there? Oh, I wrestled Big E. I mean, anybody, I wrestled them all. I mean, from Seth Rollins to, every, you know, Loke, every, anybody you could ever think of that was ever down there. They always put me and them together because I would always ask for it. When it. You know, whenever I saw the best person there, whether it's practice or whatever, put me in. You know, I, I want to wrestle. If people are scared to raise their hand, I'd be the first one to raise my hand. Great, and what shows you, you know, that you're eager to learn and eager to become something. So when you got injured, was that kind of, a, you know, a huge shock that they uh... – you know, basically got injured and then they kind of didn't bring you back or, or they you got injured and they released you? Yeah, it was a huge shock. I mean, I was very, very upset because the whole time I was doing physical therapy, I was watching tape, I was studying, you know, because they told me, you know, hey, you know, I was about to debut. I was about to meet you. Woods were about to be the next little tag team coming up. So, you know, I had all these thoughts in my head and when I got back there, before I could even step in the ring, I got released, you know, in which, you know, it happens. And it's also a good learning curve for me because now I've been able to wrestle all around the world from Puerto Rico to Japan to England to the Bahamas. You know, I've been able to, to Canada, I've been able to just pick up every different style of wrestling and now make up a style of my own which now when I get the opportunity to hopefully go back to WWE, I will be such more of a well-rounded wrestler that, you know, I think the people will really enjoy watching. Did they ever give you a reason for the release? Um, the writers have nothing for you. That's what I was told. And, you know, of course, I said thank you. And, you know, you guys will see me soon. You know, I'm not going to give up. And do you ever ask, like, your dad or maybe go to your dad and say, hey, uh, what's going on here? You know, uh, you know, can you help me out a little bit here? Or is that something you're like, nah, I'm doing this on my own. I'm not even going to ask you. Nah, it's something I just do it on my own, not even going to ask, because um, it's something that he would want me to do it on my own than for him to go beg and plead. And, you know, it's something that I got to do myself. Does he want you to go back, or does he like this, you traveling the world like you used to do, you know, country to country, uh, you know, territory to territory? Uh, he loves it, but uh, he want, he knows my main goal. He knows I want to be back there so bad. I mean, I want to be back where there's where you can be in the Super Bowl. And I tell anybody, if, why wouldn't you not want to be in the Super Bowl? You know, like, why lace up your boots if you can't be in the biggest show in the world, you know? Why it settles for second best. I want to be at WrestleMania. I want to walk down that aisle. I want my dad to sit there in the stands and see me walk through that curtain and be so proud of me from all the hard work that I did myself, not him begging and pleading, that I worked hard for myself and look into his eyes and know that, you know, hey, Dad, I'm doing it. That's what I'm looking forward to, and that's why I work so hard, and that's why I'm trying the best I can possibly be to get to that spot. Right, and that's great, and that's great to hear, and I, and I like, you know, you want to do it on your own, but if I could mention that full circle thing again, and obviously Dory Funk Jr. wrestled his dad, and obviously had a huge feud against your uh, uncle, against Jack Briscoe, huge, huge feud of the, the Briscoes and the Funks, but what was it like wrestling Dory? Because that, that's very fascinating to me, that first of all, you know, he's still out there wrestling, but that a Briscoe versus a Funk is happening, you know, again. I know, it's so awesome. Um, this is probably literally my third time wrestling him. And at seventeen at seventy two years old he is still going at it. And it's just I get goosebumps every time I just even think about it. 
and I get even more goosebumps when I first walk up with them. I mean, it's just simply amazing. And every time I get any opportunity, I just sit there and I just ask them so many stories about my uncle and my dad, just, you know, the guys back in the day. And I try to always, every time I see him, ask him a new question or pick his brain because he's such a legend in the sport of wrestling that, you know, everybody should at least look up some tapes of Dory Funk Jr. And, you know, definitely, definitely do your homework. So how do you like the Florida wrestling scene? Because it's kind of uh, underrated a bit because people, a lot of people don't know how many leagues are down there, but there's so many different promotions, so many good leagues down there with so many name wrestlers, you know, available to wrestle. So what are your thoughts on, like, that Florida independent scene? To be honest with you, I really do not wrestle that much in Florida. I try to always, you know, get booked other places. But there's a couple of good groups that are going on. Um, Florida Underground Wrestling is a good one. Um, Ronin's a good one. And then, I guess, um, FIP, uh, Evolved. You know, there's a couple of good ones. But um, I try to always wrestle outside of my hometown. You know, I try to wrestle outside of Florida just to, you know, I've lived here my whole life. And, you know, people know me not just from wrestling, but from being a professional wakeboarder. So I always try to get over in a different town. Now, as far as, you know, wakeboarding is concerned, obviously, you know, uh, I guess it's considered, like you said, like an extreme sport. What do you think is uh, some similarities with wakeboarding and wrestling? Like, did wakeboarding kind of get you ready for wrestling at all? Uh, Not really. Exact opposite, totally. (laughs) I mean, the only thing that it kind of got me used to was just doing uh, interviews. But other than that, that's about it. Is it a dangerous sport? What'd you say? Oh, super, super dangerous. I mean, one of my buddies just broke his neck uh, last year. I mean, it it can be crazy. I mean, I blew my knee. People, a lot of knees, shoulder injuries. Would you say you had your worst injury in wrestling or wakeboarding? Uh, I would say both. Oh. <laughs> yeah, they both they both been pretty bad. <laughs> I guess a, a bad injury is a bad injury, but uh, as I start to wind it down a bit here, I'm very curious because, you know, you said you wrestled in Canada and England, uh, Japan, obviously, we talked about New Japan, Puerto Rico with WWC. Do you have a favorite place to wrestle? Maybe a favorite um, Right now, yeah, I'm trying to, um, I was just in, I spent the whole summer in uh, Europe, in uh, England, Wales, and um, I'm going back there in a couple months, and i really love the English wrestling scene right now. It's really, really hot right now. Everyone there is just so good, and the shows are packed, and the crowd really, really is involved and really, really loves it right now. And uh, UK wrestling is hot right now. Hugely, hugely hot, and it feels like, you know, whether it be Progress Wrestling or uh, Revolutionary Pro or Revolution Pro, there's so many, you know, what, uh, what culture pro wrestling? It feels like so many yep, leagues I mean, over there are popping outside, up. Fight Nation, you know, I mean, there's just so many, so many good, good, good companies out there. Now, we mentioned, obviously, the cage match, Kurt Angle, being one of your favorites, Wrestling Dory Funk, is quite an honor. But do you have a favorite match or maybe a couple favorite matches, you know, besides the cage match that you've had in your career? Um, one would be with Heath Slater down in uh, developmental. Um, another one would be with um, RVD and TNA. Um, I've had Tommy Dreamer, um, Demolition. Um, I can't. I've wrestled. I mean, I can't even tell you because I've wrestled so many phenomenal and great people. To, be honest with you, I've so many people have been awesome, and I I've had a blast. Every person that I've wrestled. Would you consider Kurt Angle like your favorite or greatest opponent that you've had? Uh yes, hands down, hands down. Learned a lot, and then right up there would would be Chavo. I, I loved wrestling Chavo. It was awesome experience wrestling Chavo. 
Now, if you could have a dream match against a wrestler that you have never wrestled and somebody that you would always want to wrestle or dying to wrestle, who would that dream match be against? Randy Orton. Nice. Why Randy? He's so good. He's just, he's, I've always, I've always loved his style of wrestling. I just love, he wastes no movement in the ring and he's just so poised and He's just, I don't know, I've always, I've always, he's one of the, I've known him my whole entire life. I've, we've been friends since we were little kids, and I threw him off my jet ski when I was a little boy and told him <laughs> there's alligators and wouldn't let him get back on the jet ski. So, like, I don't know, he's just one of those people that I just would really love to, you know, have a match with. <laughs> it's almost like throwing somebody off a jet ski out of nowhere, that, uh, that could have been the prelude to the RKO uh, out of nowhere, but they kind of just... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Who said he was going <laughs> to RKO me? Wait a second. <laughs> Briscoe Palmer's ass. Come on now. Come on now. <laughs> now, to just kind of piggyback off that last one, I want to just do a really goofy uh, fantasy booking really quickly. If you took your dad and your uncle and you could be across the ring with them with one tag team partner, who would you pick? Um, Heath Slater. Nice. Okay, that's a pretty good. Uh, that's a formidable duo to go up against the uh, the Briscoes. But you know, I gotta say, you know, that's such a great name, and we've heard so many awesome stories about you and about your dad and about growing up Briscoe. But what would you say the Briscoe legacy is on professional wrestling right now as we speak? Well, right now, you know, we're just trying to keep the name going and trying to keep it a good name, you know, hardworking, willing to bust our ass and telling everyone that, hey, a Briscoe will never give up. A Briscoe will climb to the top of that mountain and a Briscoe will win and a Briscoe will find that gold around his waist. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. And, Wes, this has been a ton of fun and we really enjoyed it. And if you can, please share with the listeners and the fans of the two-man power trip of wrestling just where they can find anything and everything in the world of Wes Briscoe. You can follow me at Wes Briscoe on Twitter, the one with the blue check. Instagram is Wes Briscoe 19, and then Facebook is just Wes Briscoe. Awesome. Definitely get out there and do that. And we appreciate you coming on tonight, and it's been uh, a lot of fun. And uh, teach those boys up there in Quebec uh, what it's like to earn that cut from the Aces and Eights. You know, I tried to. They can't keep getting on Botchermania. I'm going to kill one of them. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, thanks a lot, Wes. It's been a lot of fun, and uh, really uh, we appreciate you coming on. This uh, this has been cool. Thank you guys for having me on the show, and... uh, Always wanted to be on you guys' show, and uh, thank you guys so much. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling, What the World is Downloading.